welcome to Combo Keepers, where we talk about combo characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we're talking about Beta Ray Bill. But in order to talk about this cosmic character, I need to bring in two other podcasters worthy of lifting Mjolnir, and that is Brad and Lisa Gullickson from the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Hey, Brad and Lisa. Hello! Hello! Pleasure to be here talking about our favorite Corbinite. <laughs> I am so excited to finally have both of you on. Brad, we had you on for the WonderCon recap, but this is the first time Lisa's on the show, so a special welcome to you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm part of the Cool Kids Club now. You were already a part of the Cool Kids Club. <laughs> you just didn't know it. <laughs> I know our listeners probably already know about your show, but why don't you give them a little bit of a rundown of what you do over over there? So at Comic Book Couples Counseling, I co-host this podcast with my wife, Elisa. That's right. And what we do is we take a comic book couple and we pair them with a self-help guide. For example, our very first episode was Scott Summers and Jean Grey, and we paired them with Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. And through using that self-help guide to uh, counsel or better understand the relationship of the fictional uh, couple, it helps us better understand our own relationship as a married couple. Lisa and I have been together for 16 years, married 14 years, and we're still trying to figure things out. And we're using comic books to do that. Yeah. Your show is absolutely one of my favorites. It's Aww. usually as soon as a new episode drops, I'm already listening to it. I, I can't explain enough how cool of a concept this is for our listeners just to be able to hear these concepts coming from an actual couple. And then being able to apply those things into their own relationships. I've even taken a few things out of the show and started using them significantly. I've, and I messaged Brad about this too, about those meta emotions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A meta emotion that's from Dr. Mark Brackett and the book Permission to Feel. The meta emotion is the emotion that you're having about the emotion. So like you feel sad and then you feel guilty about feeling sad. And it, like you just end up having this compound situation. Yeah, we're currently halfway through a counseling session with Mark and Eve from Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley's Invincible series. And we're using permission to feel to work our way through that uh, couple. And uh, we're, we're covering them post-parenthood. So it's pretty much toward the end of the series. And we've never started a counseling session so close to the big narrative's conclusion. And it's been so much fun. It's been really enlightening. Like doing comic book couples counseling really has increased our vocabulary for interacting with each other as partners. Yeah. And we can't stress enough. Like we're not experts at all. We're not counselors. That's why we use the self-help books. We don't <laughs> right. know what we're talking about. Yes. Yes. So it's really all about helping us work out our issues and if anyone else can pick up some tips from that process man that's just a huge bonus yeah it's awesome yeah i picked up on that and i told my wife about that too and she's even started to realize when she's doing it too and it's helped her relax about just being in that emotion that you're feeling and not trying to explain it away or feel bad about having that particular emotion so again not only are you learning about comic book characters you're also learning about things you can apply to your life. So everybody go follow Compa Couples Counseling on every major streaming platform. We'll add all the socials at the end of the show too and also in our show notes. 
Oh, thank yeah, you. yes, please. <laughs> yeah, of course. Brad and Lisa, let's dive straight into the main focus of our episode, Beta Ray Bill. Oh, man. Beta Ray Bill, one of uh, our favorite characters, specifically through one arc that kind of transformed our love for that character into a forever love. And because of that experience, it has piqued our curiosity to go back in time. So like, we're a little nervous to celebrate beta Ray bill because you know, we are comic book nerds. We don't want anyone pulling our nerd card, but (laughs) at the same time, you know, we're not like, we're not experts on counseling. (laughs) We're just trying to figure it all out. We're not experts on beta Ray bill, but we're excited about beta Ray bill. And I'm sure we'll learn a thing or two. We're going to learn a lot. We're all going to learn together. It's going to be great. For Beta Ray Bill's bio, he is a bioengineered champion and protector of the Corbinite race. Created by writer and artist Walter Simonson, Bill is incredibly powerful, fiercely loyal, and fueled by a deep desire to protect those he loves. He is the first in Marvel main continuity, aside from Thor and Odin, to be worthy of wielding the mighty Mjolnir. After being granted a hammer and equal power known as Stormbreaker, Beta Ray Bill travels worlds, realms, and cosmos, fighting for those who can't defend themselves and proving time and time again why he is worthy. What you're talking about earlier about having a particular uh, relationship with Beta after one particular run, and I already know that particular run that we'll get into (laughs) later, but what was it about Beta that drew you in when you started learning more about the character? So do you not want us to mention that run yet? It, it's going to be your your pick later for we can mention it again later, but go for it. Let's talk. <laughs> well, about it. if you know anything about Brad or Lisa, you know that we're huge marks for Daniel Warren Johnson. And I know that comic book keepers listeners know that Lance is also a big mark for Daniel Warren Johnson. And we read everything that he does and we hunt down the books. We're currently hunting down the books that we haven't read of his, his older books. Uh, but it it really was his miniseries for Marvel, Beta Ray Bill, uh, Arjun Star, that, you know, like opened our eyes to the concept of Beta Ray Bill and the, and the emotional core of Beta Ray Bill. Before that miniseries, I always thought he was a really rad looking character and he had popped up here and there in series, but I still have never gone back and read the Walter Simonson run. It was, it's exclusively from the Daniel Warren Johnson arc that maybe go like, this is a really special creature, a really special sentient being that I need to know more about. What I think helped me connect to Beta Ray Bill was that because of reasons outside of his own, he always had to be second fiddle to Thor. You know, he was chosen as the Corbinite to protect his planet from Surtur. They gave him scuttlebutt, right? To say, look, you've become this warrior. We're going to give you this gift. This gift is a weapon. This gift is a partner. And they enhanced his body. They They, made him kind of a cyborg. And he made this huge sacrifice. And then... um, And then his planet is taken away from him. Then he lifts Mjolnir and Mjolnir, oh man, I'm worthy, but he can't have Mjolnir because Mjolnir has to be Thor's. So then 
he, you know, Odin is like, it's okay. I'll give you your own weapon. <laughs> it's Stormbreaker. And then he's like, great. I might not be able to have the weapon, but I can have this weapon. And then Thor breaks it. And so even though Thor, like the way it's presented in Argent Star, even though Thor is petulant, totally full of himself, a complete undermining a-hole, he like he still has to be the despite his behavior thor has to be in pride of place over beta ray bill and beta ray bill sees that as a personal failure yeah i mean it it's the ultimate shadow to live under Uh, and we all have experienced imposter syndrome to one degree or another but also glass ceilings you know Mm, what i mean where it's just like because I have I have don't have this birthright or because I'm not this or that other thing that's out of my control, I cannot reach my full potential. And Argent Star is a great story that's all about Beta trying to get out of the shadow of Thor as well, because he now no longer has Stormbreaker, so there's not even that connection of a of a weapon to a Thor origin. And we get to see what he ends up with later on in Argent Star, which we can even talk to a little bit later. But we, we've we kind of hit the main points of his origin. So mm-hmm. the Corbinite people, literally their planet Corbin and their entire galaxy was destroyed by Surtur. Mm-hmm. So the Corbinite scientists that called the Shior, they decided, well, we need a champion. And so rather than just taking one Corbinite, and trying to create a champion they try they had like trials and experiments and it was extremely extensive and horrifying and uh you can kind of put it along the lines of potentially how messed up it was like the high evolutionary to all Mm -hmm. of his experiments in the latest guardians of the galaxy film Mm. to where when odin is even recalling the things that beta went through it was horrendous they took the this concept of one of the fiercest carnivores on the Corbin planet, so which is why Beta has that horse-like head, and then built a bioengineered body around it, and then transferred the soul of Bill into this new body. So it is a wild origin story. And for the longest time, I thought all of the Corbinites looked like Beta with the horse yep. head. But he's the only one because he has that particular body. Well, technically, there's one other one, which we will get to. They just look humanoid with, like, not really a nose. Yeah. It's so complicated, like, Beta Ray Bill's relationship to worthiness, where it's just like, you're almost good enough. We just have to change you. We just have to add something to you. When we add something to you, you're going to be enough. And it creates this body dysmorphia in him, which Daniel Warren Johnson explores beautifully and tragically in Argent Star. And he's such a, he's such a comics character. Like that's not really like a character that that's not somebody's first comic book character where like like there's a reason why the first marvel movie was iron man you know (laughs) and not beta ray bill and and and, you know i i think that's some of the anxiety that i have about bringing beta ray bill into the cinematic universe and you know they've brought stormbreaker in before beta ray bill and you know marvel's never the marvel studios has never been about like doing one for one adaptations 
But Beta Ray Bill's origin is so complicated and strange and interesting, like super unique, that I I don't want them to futz with that. Like I don't right. want them to skip a step. You know, I don't want them to skip like that's not his body. <laughs> you know, like that his, it's just a container for his soul. Beta actually had a scene filmed in Thor Ragnarok, but it was a throwaway scene. And Kevin Feige said it, it just doesn't do justice to the character, so they scrapped it. But right. then you, of course, can still see his head on that gigantic tower, showing that he actually is one of the champions of of uh, oh, what's the uh, of Sakar? Sakar, yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, bless Taika Waititi. We're both big Taika Waititi fans, but at the same time, I don't know if Taika Waititi is like the guy to adapt Beta Ray Bill. I think Beta Ray Bill takes a level of earnestness. Where you you really have to believe, you have to believe in the journey of Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, you don't want a cheeky take on it. Yeah, no. I feel like you know in the in the Marvel universe we've seen it in pieces. Like I think that Rocket's origin story has a lot of similarities. That's true. Yeah, yeah. With that, exactly, it's that it shows with all of the people being so excited about the new Guardians film with Rocket showing this really emotional tragic side of things that people are responding to that like mm -hmm. it's great to have humor and fun in these films but that emotional draw that you get from a character that's been through horrific events and then come out the other side being better and improving upon themselves and finding the light within is something that is, is resonating with people and i think that's the exact type of situation we need to see with beta in the mcu yeah i think like comics at their best exercise in extremity, right? Beta Ray Bill is the extreme of not feeling enough. Of above feeling beta. It's there yeah, in the it's name, in the right? Name. Yeah. Like he's a beta male, but yeah. obviously he he's not. But that's a, that's a lot of what he's dealing with is that beta-ness. Yes. You mentioned it earlier too, is that so he he gets transformed into this new body. He gets Scuttlebutt who is that AI sentient ship that helps him out going through the stars and the cosmos. He's he's leading the fleet of the Corbinites that are left over. And then it's in this moment where they're getting closer to Earth and Fury, Nick Fury decides like, oh, that thing's, <laughs> we don't know what that is. Thor, go check that out. Sends him into space. And then they start fighting between Beta and Thor. And it ends up in an interesting way of Beta beating Thor picking up the stick that has transformed back into the stick. So Mjolnir transforms back into the stick. Beta, having seen how powerful Mjolnir is, he's like, where's that hammer? I need to use it to help protect my people. Finds mm -hmm. a stick, slams it against a, a wall, thinking that he's like, it's gone, I can't find it. And then it gives him the power of Thor, showing that he is in fact worthy of wielding Mjolnir, which no other character other than Thor and Odin had done up until that point in the comics. Yeah. Now everyone's picked it up at some point. <laughs> Who hasn't? It was an avalanche after that. <laughs> so, like, according to Argent Star, when Beta Ray Bill held Mjolnir, he could turn back into his previous Corbinite form. Is that sort from of the like, original? Well, like, because Thor... You know, the way Thor used to work is when he would pick up his, right. when he was Donald Blake, he'd pick up the stick. The stick was Mjolnir and that's how you transform. Right. So it wasn't that unique from what Thor would do. 
Mm-hmm. But is that a one-to-one thing? Like origi- originally? Well, when he picks up Mjolnir originally in the wall, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, because again, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty, I'm a newbie when it comes to the older Beta Ray Bill comics. But when he picks up Mjolnir, he, before that, he does look a little different, but he still has the horse face. Uh-huh. It's not exactly like the okay. Daniel Warren Johnson one where the he horse face back disappears. Into his, yeah, okay. Right. So he still has the horse face, but he's wearing like, like a Corbinite suit. And then when he picks up Mjolnir, he's got the Beta Ray okay, Bill I see. outfit. I see. Right. But there's a little bit more to it on top of that mm. now. Because things things change in that original Simonson run. So he picks up the stick, smashes it, and then basically turns into a Beta Ray Thor, is what Odin calls him in yes. that okay. storyline. What a hurtful name. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Very secondary for that part. But the, the beautiful thing about this four-issue arc that starts off Beta is that it is a storyline that acknowledges that Thor no longer needs Donald Blake anymore. And it's actually a hindrance to him being a hero now because Beta wins the fight because as they're entering Earth's atmosphere, Mjolnir gets away from Thor and it reverts him back into Donald Mm. Blake. Yeah. I can see that being a problem. And we also get in that four-issue arc learning about how even though Beta has become the champion of the Corbinites, they can't even stand to look at him. He's like an outcast among the people, even though he's technically their savior. Mm-hmm. And Odin does something beautiful in the storyline where he creates, or he has Eitri create Stormbreaker, and he actually passes on that enchantment that was on Mjolnir onto Stormbreaker to then allow Beta to smash the hammer and turn back into his original Corbinite form. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm so thankful. This is a tangent, but I'm so thankful that they went that way with Thor. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never really into the whole Donald Blake secret identity thing. It just doesn't work for me for a character like Thor. Right. And I feel like what Simonson's run does is it kind of graduates the Jack Kirby, Stan Lee idea into what it was always meant to be, you know, but they had the crutch of comic book superheroes have secret identities. And Simonson says, you don't need that crutch anymore. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful arc. And it actually is the longest arc that Simonson does in his entire Thor run for all those years. The longest is four issues and it's all about beta. So mentioning Donald Blake, did you read the storylines that led up to Daniel Warren Johnson's Beta Ray Bill arc, Argent Star. Did you read the Donny Cates Thor? I did. Le- Lisa has not had a chance to read it yet. Is that the okay. one that I started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have complicated feelings about the Donny Cates Thor run. <laughs> it was not for me. <laughs> oh, Thor Thor is not does not come out looking squeaky clean in that one. But I will say I love the reintroduction of Donald Blake. Mm, it, well, yeah, and the, the cons, yes. A very that that's probably the best storyline within Kate's Thor run, and that I mean it's a pretty disturbing and scary story. Oh, line. it's super dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Lisa, you should read it just to get to that part because it is wild. I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you think about it. I read the first part for book club. You, you did. You did. And I didn't continue. And it wasn't because I was like I was like I hate this. It was just like one of those things where I'm like I'm I'm not compelled. Right. <laughs> there can be an introspective episode about the relationship between Thor and Donald Blake. 
in an upcoming comic book couples counseling. I think episode. that that would be really interesting. I think that that would be it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to cover Thor at some point mm-hmm. in comic book couples counseling, but like all those characters, we usually cover a couple over four episodes, and we used to like like let's do an episode on the early days, the first creation. So we would pick like you know Journey into Mystery. And, and cover Thor and, and the first issues with Jane. Uh, but now we kind of like sticking to like four episodes at one point in time. Right. Right. But I, I do like the idea of doing Thor and Donald Blake as a way of talking about a man's relationship with himself and with like how the the masculine pressure of having to present differently in different yeah, situations. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of stories. Like, it would be great to do Banner and Hulk. Yeah. Know, yes. Explore kind of the yes. same thing. Yeah, I think that, that could be if we did Banner and Hulk and Thor and Donald Blake and make that an arc. Well, that's interesting. You know, do uh, Clark and Superman, even though that's not exactly the same. But right. I think, you know, I think uh, Superman's relationship to Clark Kent is so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, and it would be another way of delaying the Clark and Lois arc <laughs> that we've been uh, teasing for five years. <laughs> Just trying to make it that much more impressive when you actually do that crossover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in 2042. It's perfect. Gives people something to look forward to. That's right. <laughs> well, let's dive a little bit more into the character of Beta Ray Bill. Yes. His previous names and aliases, Beta Ray Bill, Beta Ray Thor, and Simon Walters. I don't know anything about Simon Walters. Simon Walters is is really interesting because after the end of the Stormbreaker saga of Beta Ray Bill, Beta is so messed up. He's like on his last leg and this mysterious character comes in and more or less gives him a second lease on life Uh and he wakes up in an alleyway and he is just a human and sees a mugging occurring and slams a stick down on the ground and turns back into beta and then has a crossover team up with spider-man whoa how fun and and of course simon walters is a play on walter simonson the creator that's so cute okay powers and abilities superhuman strength speed stamina durability, regenerative healing factor, extended longevity due to cyborg body, making him effectively immortal. Convenient. That sounds handy. Via Stormbreaker, electricity manipulation, flight, weather manipulation and transformation back into Corbinite form and later into Simon Walters, I just learned, following the Stormbreaker (laughs) saga of Beta Ray Bill's storyline. Beta Ray Bill now wields the Twilight Sword. Oh, yeah, he does. And can resume original Corbinite form once again. But how happy is he with it? <sighs> it's complicated. I'm dying it's to read more Beta Ray Bill stories post Argent Star. But I also just kind of want only Daniel Warren Johnson to write them. I agree. Ooh, yeah. No, I, like, yeah, I definitely want to see the logical extension, somebody else's logical extension from where he is where he was left off with Arjun Star. Yeah, yeah. What about the affiliations, sweetheart? Affiliations, we're jumping in, jumping in affiliations. Well, obviously there's the Mega Flight, uh, Star Masters, Asgard, the Thor Core. I love the Thor Core, the Annihilators, and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I did think he was a great addition to Guardians of the he Galaxy. He fits right in. Absolutely. And 
I wasn't crazy about Kate's Thor's Thor run, but I did really dig his Guardians of the Galaxy book. Uh, you know, you, he also has like a bunch of supporting characters. We've got Thor, duh, Scuttlebutt, Sif, Captain America, Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Nova, Quasar, the Guardians. It's just all the space people. Yeah. Yep. His antagonists are Surtur, Galactus. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs Galactus as an antagonist. Poor Beta Ray <laughs> Bill. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, Alpha Ray, Stardust, uh, Asteroth, Loki, and Malekith. Now, do you two know a little bit about Alpha Ray? No, I don't know the first thing about Alpha Ray. I want to know, though. I want to uh, learn. Is it a big brother? Can I guess? I'm going to make up what Alpha yeah, Ray is it. and you tell Let's me. Let's hear it. Okay. Alpha Ray is Beta Ray Bill's older brother, but they had a tremendous falling out. <laughs> and now Alpha Ray is jealous of his association with Asgard and is coming to take over so he can be the he can be the new hero of Asgard and, and get his own and and he <laughs> and he takes the bits of Stormbreaker right and then he chews him up in his in his Corbinite teeth he spits him out he makes a new weapon out of him it's, it's a gun isn't Alpha Ray just Thor isn't Thor Alpha Ray <laughs> <laughs> Well, both of those are incredibly close guesses. You oh, would not believe. <laughs> Alpha Ray was the initial creation that survived the process of mm. creating the champion, but it was not the incorporation of transferring a soul into a body. It was solely a cybernetic body, but it was so chaotic and didn't have any sort of sympathy whatsoever. And so it was kind of housed away for quite mm. a long time. Uh, and it is brought back into play during Stormbreaker Saga Beta Ray Bill, where Alpha Ray is reprogrammed by the essentially the church going people of Corbin uh, to take out Beta Ray Bill because he has become too much of a godlike character and savior for the people. And they want the church to be the saviors for the people. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I love the idea of like, oh, our robot's not working. <laughs> our robot's not working. What's missing? Human abuse. A <laughs> Let's take a child. Let's make his life real weird. <laughs> yeah. Beta has not had the greatest upbringing. It's, uh, it's rough. So not only do they do horrible things to make him the champion, and then put him in a body that everyone ridicules and hates. They then don't like him because he's too good at what they made him for, and then try to kill him with an earlier murder version of him. Right, right. It's, it's not great. Now that we learned a little bit more about Beta Ray Bill, let's dive into our creator with Into the Archives. Walter Simonson started his comic book journey reading Walt Disney's comics and stories as a child. Simonson developed a love of drawing at an early age and was inspired by artists Carl Barks from Little Lulu and Alex Toth, The Land Unknown. Embarrassed to be seen buying comics in high school, Simonson would go on to discover Russ Manning's work on Magnus Robot Fighter. Were either of you embarrassed of being a comic book fan earlier? I know, Lisa, you found yours more in college, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like... uh... I liked nerd boys already. So like I, I read comics, like aren't they interesting and quirky? I was never embarrassed by my love of comics. Although it was obvious to me that I was one of the few people 
that I knew my age or really anyone that was reading comics. And I would try to get friends to read comics and it never took, like, I remember having like some passionate, you know, on the pulpit preaching comics to my classmates and nobody ever took it. Um, But I was like proud of my love of comics. Now where things got a little embarrassing is as I aged into high school and I was still buying action figures, not toys, but action figures. I do remember one time uh, this guy, Russell, uh, being in Toys R Us and seeing me flip through, let's say they were GI Joes or Power Rangers or something. And feeling that hot flash of shame Mm. that I'm in high school in a Toys R Us and I've just been caught looking at action figures. But for whatever reason, my high school brain couldn't go, well, what's Russell doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And I never thought, well, is Russell in here buying toys like me? But I was mortified that a a high schooler associate, he wasn't even a friend, uh, caught me buying toys. my own weird interests that other kids found weird when I, growing up like I was like super into musicals and all through high school I like I I wore my monkeys jacket because I was like I'm into cool bands from the 60s the monkeys were never even considered cool in their time so like I relate in that way where it's just but I always just kind of wore my fandom on my sleeve yeah I mean Lance were you embarrassed about reading comics or Collecting toys? I definitely held back on the fandoms that I really enjoyed. Like I was a super big fan of Power Rangers. Oh, and I, I might not have I might not have been like watching the newer things in high school. I still really enjoyed going back and like having the nostalgia of looking at the toys I had when I was a kid. Like they still have a ton of great memories for me. But I, I do recall I was probably a junior or a senior in high school when Iron Man came out. Uh-huh. And it it like blew me away to the point where when MySpace was still super popular, I learned how to code just so I could change my entire MySpace page so that it was like Iron Man, like animated stuff all over. The song that I had on the page was I am Iron Man, like everything. Awesome. Was out. Lance, I don't you know, I don't want to sidetrack too much, I um, do though. but we've never really talked about your origin story. I'm sure you've mentioned it on comic book keepers. But was it like? Are you a, were you a cool kid in high school, or were you a nerd <laughs> like us? No, that's my question. That's not what I'm asking. But like, it's what I'm asking. You know, seeing Iron Man is that is Iron Man your gateway to comics? Uh, Spider Man, Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh, okay, was, yeah, what, okay. was what started it. Yep, gotcha. first Spider Man woke up that Christmas morning with a stack of Spider Man comics like this high. Nice. But I didn't start collecting really until college when uh, a buddy of mine handed me trade paperback of old man logan was like read this you'll like comics again and yeah. uh, i did and i kept reading more and more and started collecting single issues and it was actually shortly after that time that i found one of my grails that i will be talking about in this very Ooh. episode yeah it's it's interesting like in my head i often think that there is this separation between the movies and the comics and the evidence that i've seen is that the films don't bring many readers to comics but i think that is a misconception that i have and lance's proof of that right is evidence of that it's like 
the the movies are an opportunity to grab new readers and Marvel Studios and Marvel Comics should do a better job of taking advantage of that pathway. Now my turn for my question. Yeah. Were, yeah. What was your click in high school? Like, like, oh, and maybe you're too young for clicks. What was your click in high school? <laughs> so I, I kind of jumped around groups a lot. Okay, so I you was... were a cool kid. That's what the cool kids say. <laughs> I was a choir nerd. So I was like with the- Let RC him answer Parsons. his question. I, I, I've heard everything I need to hear. <laughs> I jumped around. Everybody kind of liked me. You were popular, my friends. You were popular. Did you have a? Did you? Ha- did you date in high school? Uh, not a ton, honestly. Okay, like, you were only medium cool then. But not yeah. a ton. What's not a ton? Uh, like I probably only went out on like a few dates with a few different girls. Okay, but no, I also okay. was. <laughs> But I I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16. Like there was the whole religion side of thing in my house. I also wasn't allowed to date until 16. Weirdly never came up. (laughs) This is what happens, Lance, when you get comic book couples counseling on. That's okay. This is the interesting side of Beta Ray Bill. No one expected us to talk about this. <laughs> Lance's dating life. <sighs> I want to get it on record. Yeah, well, you know, though, that that bit about... I'm getting this back to Beta Ray Bill. Lisa. Sure. But I love that Walter Simonson gravitated towards Magnus Robot Fighter. You know, those old gold key Magnus books I fell into because growing up in the 90s, Valiant was huge and like Magnus Robot Fighter was massive in the 90s and in fact the first comic i ever spent a ton of money on i think it was the valiant magnus robot fighter number 12 which was the reintroduction of turok dinosaur hunter and i think i paid 60 bucks at a hotel basement comic convention for that book in youth money that's a lot of money it, it was my, I actually asked my dad for the cash. Oh, okay. I was like, dad, I, I need $60. <laughs> and my tries. dad's like, oh, are you crazy? And I was like, yes, dad, I'm your only child. It's like, you're right. <laughs> there you go. Um, but knowing that Simonson was into those gold key Magnus robot fighters and you go back and you look at like those X factor issues that he illustrated yes. and the robot designs and a lot of those X factor issues. That's Magnus Robot Fighter. Do you know what I'm not seeing a lot of is that little Lulu influence? Uh, cart- I mean, I mean, no, Carl Barks. I don't see a lot of little Lulu. Uh, <laughs> Carl Barks, not just little Lulu, like all the duck comics. You yeah, know? yeah, no, that's true. Like th- those those Barks Ducks books I'm currently obsessed with. Yeah. I actually have one right here next to this laptop. Brad is Sheriff holding it up. of Bullet Valley from Fantagraphics that is Books. Amazing. It is uh, Donald Duck as a in Western times going through and uh, getting up into hijinks with outlaws and stuff, and it's illustrated by Carl Barks, and it is. It's rad. pretty great. It doesn't like it has aged extremely well. I mean, I don't know if the contents do, but I mean the art does. Uh, there, there are some <laughs> problematic uh, Donald Duck comics, <laughs> but. But, but you I know, mean, like anything the, in the past is going to be problematic. On print, it looks gorgeous. But yeah, I have, what a yeah. gorgeous addition. That one also has a little problematic stuff, but not not a lot, not a lot, not a lot. Who would have known that we would have pulled in Donald Duck into this episode? Dude, Carl Barks is the man. Alex Toth is great too. But again, uh, Magnus Robot Fighter and Walter Simonson. I had never heard that before, but that makes, makes sense. so much sense. This uh, might blow your mind then, because being such a big fan of the series, Simonson ended up creating some art and sent it in to Magnus Robot Fighter, and his art was 
printed on the Robot Gallery fan page in issue wow, 10 no of Magnus Robot Fighter in May of 1965, and that is his first published work. How cool. Huh. I'm going to have to s- seek that out. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that would be a great book to have. Entering college, Simonson studied geology at Amherst College, intending to become a quote-unquote dinosaur expert. I also tried to be a dinosaur expert. <laughs> I saw Jurassic Park. I was like, I want to be a dinosaur expert. Everybody did. Wanted, yep. Everybody wanted to be a dinosaur expert after that movie came out. It's amazing. Interestingly enough, it was after going through school that he kept flipping between, oh, do I want to do paleontology or do I want to do uh, geology that he decided, you know what? I'd make more money doing comics because uh-huh. at this point in time, it was like the creators <laughs> were making the money that they were. And he's like, I can do better. And then he also said, I don't have to be out in the hot sun all day. <laughs> he's <laughs> not wrong. At dinosaur bus. It's true. It's very true. That is a, like a, something that we don't think about so often is like the dinosaur kids are often also indoor kids. Like, what a challenge. <laughs> so he ended up discovering Stanley and Jack Kirby's Thor run over at Marvel. So he became a fanatic about that because he already had a huge love for mm-hmm. Norse mythology, which bleeds into his later career because he created Ragnarok through IDW, which I was able to find all three of those hardcovers at a killer price, uh, cool. I think, last year. Yeah, you got me into that book. You finally yeah. convinced me to pick up the first volume. It's great. I need to read more. It's good. It's a lot of fun. And I just love his style. His art style is beautiful. And you can, like, the the love of Norse mythology is, like, oozing from the page. Because he, he starts off the stories with, like, these three-page-long expositions into Norse mythology. And giving you the background of why things are happening in the issue that are happening. It's so much fun to see like the nerd flag fly in this arc. What's super rad about Walter Simonson is that he's one of the few legit cartoonists working within Marvel comics at that time. You know, he is the writer, the illustrator, like the, that run is all Simonson and there are not too many runs that are so singular. No, it, it was amazing. I'm always impressed when there's writer artists on a book, which is why we probably love Daniel Warren Johnson so much yeah, because absolutely. he just puts out killer content. I just have so much respect for someone that can not only be so brilliantly talented, putting together beautiful images that just stir you visually, like just being able to look at a book and being in awe without even reading a single word, but then reading the words and being incredibly moved is something that does not happen in a lot of mediums Mm. yeah back to simonson in 1967 while still attending college simonson started developing a thor story featuring silver surfer and odin's world which would come to print years later down the road simonson graduated from amherst with a degree in geology and took a year off to then enroll in as an art major at rhode island school of design where he would graduate in 1972 so Literally got a degree, geology, jumped over to another school. Let's do art now. Yay, I love that. Follow your bliss. I'm just impressed that he finished the first degree before just (laughs) jumping ship and going to the other. Yep. He wrote, penciled, inked, and lettered a 50-page black and white book called The Star Slammers as his thesis project for art school. So rad. Yeah. 
He would return to the Star Slammers multiple times throughout his career, printing their stories through various publishers. So that was something that was really interesting to me was that he not only was able to continue the story of Star Slammers, but he just threw them at all these different publishers, which might mean that they have some really fun crossovers with characters in those other publishers. I need to do a little bit more research into that. Yeah, I, I've I have seen glimpses at these pages. I've never actually held anything Star Slammer related, but it is something that we should probably move up our list of, you know, on our our uh, con dollar bin hunt list. Yes, it'd be fun to find those because his just his work is incredible no matter what. So even earlier stuff. Yeah, awesome. I wonder what the prices are on that. Probably not in dollar bins. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. Mm. Mistakes happen. Yeah, <laughs> they do. That's why we love dollar bins. That's okay. Uh, Jake and Jesus can tell us afterwards how much they cost. Everyone go yes. listen to Spectales. Yeah. Simonson moved to New York in 1972 with his Star Slammers portfolio and met up with friend and DC Comics employee uh, Jerry Boudreaux, who arranged a meeting with DC editor Archie Goodwin. So long story short with this, he showed off his art and met with a few different people. And then he ended up going into the office of DC publisher Carmine Infantino. And then he left that office with, with jobs working with Goodwin, Julius Schwartz, Joe Orlando. Like the list kind of goes on and on. He just had a lot of work at that point in time. He said after he ended up doing a comic book illustrating Len Wein's story, Serrano's Army in DC's Weird War Tales, number 10 in January 1973. And that was his first professional published work we've seen those weird wars yeah yeah in bands yeah they're great another thing that i found that was pretty cool is he actually did a number of illustrations for the harry n abrams inc edition of the hobbit oh cool yeah i need i've actually found one of those issues before but it was at a comic shop that hadn't priced out their books yet and i had pulled it and brought it up to the front and they said leave your information and we'll call you with the value Never got oh, the call. Yeah, that's trash. Wasn't yeah. Simonson's like first big break within the industry though with DC with Manhunter? It was. That is exactly the next bullet point, Brad. You're ahead of the game. What? It's like I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Manhunter, it cemented his reputation and everyone knew him after that from that particular storyline. I haven't read that. Oh, it's awesome. I love manhunter <laughs> like i like i love his run i love the concept of manhunter i like what they're doing with manhunter in danger street right now manhunter is a great great thing for any creator to run wild on okay good to know that that one just jumped on my list just the, i wish everyone could have seen the expression in brad's face <laughs> and there's a new hardcover there's a new hardcover of the simonson manhunter that came out Ooh, a year ago, two years ago at most, um, that's uh, worth the, whatever the price is on that. Well, need to read it now. In 1979, Simonson and Goodwin collaborated on an adaptation of the movie Alien, mm -hmm. which was published by Heavy Metal. Yeah, and yeah. there's a great collection of that, which is also worth whatever money it's being charged for. It's so awesome. good. Yeah, there was a lot of great stuff by Simonson at that point because there was also some Terminator as well as having like the RoboCop versus Terminator crossover, which I am actively hunting for that hardcover. Single issues you can find for a good price. The yeah. hardcover is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I, I would like the hardcover, obviously, mm -hmm. but the single issues are great. 
I mean, yeah. and, and they're those uh, prestige single issues. So they're practically a hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> In 1982, Simonson teamed up with Chris Claremont to produce the Uncanny X-Men and the new Teen Titans crossover between Marvel and DC, which you can actually learn more about by listening to our episode, which was season two, episode 39, where we had Robin Guido from Dear Watchers Yay! on to cover that one. Yep. We love good friends. Them. Yeah, they're the best. Simonson took a leap over to Marvel soon after taking on the monumental task of writing and illustrating Thor, which is where we have the first introduction of Beta Ray Bill in Thor issue 337 in november of 1983 i'm almost born i'm almost, <laughs> almost born. there my birthday's yeah. the following month if anybody wants to get me something it's december 27th i'm turning 40 this year and i i guess so Ooh. is beta ray bill yeah there you go so someone gift issue 337 <laughs> of <laughs> thor to lisa i yeah. hope marvel doesn't let the 40th anniversary of beta ray bill slip by this let's year. start celebrating that should be our mission right now yeah we need to start at marvel about beta ray bill now so they can whip up some comics that's right for <laughs> us and then we can you know if it doesn't happen we can get real mad about it i agree even though we just learned about it just now we're fired up <laughs> <laughs> and then we just throw in a sub tweet in that line of like and please let it be daniel warren johnson oh yeah 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 oh dude need more that that ending i need more yeah yeah and you know dan's got ideas for it oh a hundred percent and that actually is a perfect segue into our pull list slash reading recommendation so if people can't tell brad and lisa what is your reading recommendation for beta ray bill i suggest everyone go out and read beta ray bill argent star i think you don't need to know anything about beta ray bill to read this obviously because i've read it and i love it so much and I think it really does a great job of humanizing a character that I think a lot of readers would find unrelatable. Absolutely. And it's in the spirit of Walter Simonson. You know, mm. Walter Simonson is a cartoonist. It is a singular work. And Daniel Warren jo Johnson is a cartoonist. It's a singular work. Obviously, you know, he's got help with some lettering and Mike Spicer always bringing those ultra rad colors to the book. Uh, but it is a pure expression of Daniel Warren Johnson's soul and just how do a power bomb murder Falcon extremity wonder woman, dead earth, just how all those comics lure you in with how cool they look and how, you know, metal they are. Uh, ultimately what they do is they rip your guts out. Like they're yeah. profoundly yep. moving books, his beta Ray bill. If it, doesn't bring you to tears i'd be surprised i'd be surprised and i'd i'd encourage you to seek a therapist <laughs> i agree yeah that that storyline just made me so happy to have beta in the limelight again because mm -hmm. he is one of my favorite comic book characters and to see him have that devastating relationship with stiff and the way he he looks at himself in the mirror there's just those moments, those panels where you feel like you can see into the soul of a character, which you do not get very often. It's in those special runs that you get that. Especially in the context of Asgard, where like it's supposed to be this place where everyone's gods and everyone's beautiful. Yeah. And like the idea, like, oh, to be a, to be godlike, you have to be beautiful. Like Sif is so cruel. So brutal <laughs> in that scene. Like where it's just like 
uh, yeah, I'm not blind. Like, you know, yeah. Ugh, well, what's, what's interesting about the Sif situation, and I don't want to spoil too much of it for people who have not read it yet, but it is an intimate sequence in which Sif and Bill are going to get together and she wants... She him. has the expectation that in the bedroom he can um, power down, power down, and go back into his more human form, the, his human Corbinite form. And he's like, "Oh, you, you didn't hear? I can't really do that anymore, because Thor has emasculated me in every single way." Right, right. You know? And the it's so expertly illustrated by Dan the the look of like, oh. Well, I can't kiss that horse face. Like yeah. she doesn't say it, yeah. but it's all there in the eyes. And they and- had a romantic, like that leading up to that, they had already had like a romantic yeah. relationship going. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of he now has the guilt of like, oh, was I stringing her along? She has, she has the guilt of having to turn him down in this very vulnerable moment. It's just, and she doesn't, she, she doesn't do it the best way. Like, he, and, like you know not what? that there's a best way, but like the way that she does it. I would have gone like, yeah, I want to go straight to hell right now, face first into lava. Yes, please. You know, just mortifying. <sighs> yeah, that interaction is is real rough. You know, the, the the struggle with ongoing comics, with characters who are picked up by a, a creator like Daniel Warren Johnson in the middle of something like, you know, he had plans for Beta Ray Bill that didn't necessarily jive with what Danny uh, Donnie Cates was doing with that character. But then he had to adapt, adjust his story based on where Donnie had left Beta Ray Bill and Thor. And then Daniel Warren Johnson has to take that character to a point that then theoretically another writer can pick up the story and tell the rest of that tale. But what's wonderful about Arjun star is it does read like beginning, middle and end. Like the ending, you can imagine a writer continuing the stories of beta Ray bill. Although you might not trust that writer that if they're not Daniel Warren Johnson to do it the way that you would want it done the way that it's handled so deftly in Arjun star. But Dan leaves it at a place that's satisfying, Mm, right? Satisfying, but also like conflicted. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. It leaves you curious. Yes. Wanting more. Wanting more. 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 That's, uh, again, everyone go read Beta Ray Bill, Argent Star. It's it's stunning. Pick up the paperback so that we can get a hardback. Because it's a crime that we don't have a hardback. My recommendation, because I knew both of yours was going to be Argent Star- (laughs) I was like, I need to pick something else. Uh, every everyone should read Thor three thirty seven through three forty Simonson's original four issue arc for Beta Ray Bill. It's an essential read. It's beautiful uh, visually as well as the writing, and it has so much heart to it. Like we mentioned earlier about the transferring of that enchantment from Mjolnir to Stormbreaker, it felt like a a beautiful end of a particular arc for Thor and the start of an arc for Beta moving forward, where he can be his own individual and feel good about himself again when he needs to by changing back into his Corbinite form. But my particular other recommendation is going to be Stormbreaker, the saga of Beta Ray Bill. I love weird stories and it doesn't get much weirder than saga of Beta Ray Bill. It goes from zero to a hundred real quick and then stays at a hundred the rest of the time you have Beta, who is involved in the events of Ragnarok, and Thor sends him away saying, you can't die with us, you need to tell our tale. 
so that people can know about us, which is conflicting for Beta because he wants to die alongside his friends and family, but understands it ultimately. And that leads to him returning to the Corbinite people to see that a gigantic space, uh, it looks like another starfish, it's not Starro, but it is Galactus that is presenting as this entity known as Ashta, which is what the Corbinites know him as. And Beta then has to f- fight against a Herald of Galactus, which is the introduction of Stardust into comics. And things don't go great. Uh, it's Beta Ray Bill. Things don't go great most of the time <laughs> for this character. But I won't say anything else, but it just keeps getting wilder and wilder. The visuals are beautiful. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommend this read. It is real weird and I love it. Isn't it written by Michael Avon aiming the powers illustrator? It is. Yeah, yeah. I read it when it was coming out. It's been a long time, but I remember digging it. Yeah, it's it is exactly like my jam type of thing. I I like it when things go in a direction that I don't expect and catch me off guard. So this story definitely does that at moments. So there's our reading recommendations. And on top of that, we have a, a grail find segment. So do either of you have any type of grails related to Beta Ray Bill? I, I 100% know that you do. I do. Oh, well, oh, I, I was like, I, I was just about to say, like, not really. <laughs> but yes, now I'm do, like, oh, Brad. yes, I do. Yes, I do. With a very big grail. Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know. Lisa and I aren't really like massive comic book collectors anymore. We've kind of given up the hunt to complete collections and, and spend a lot of money on singular issues. Like if we can access the story another way, like through a trade or online. That being said, you know, I would love to get some early Thor, Walter Simons, Simonson comics in, in at some point I'm now putting Magnus robot fighter number 10 on my hunt list though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, the grail item that you're referring to, I think is the one that I picked up at WonderCon this year on the orders of Lisa. Is that the one you're thinking of Lance? It is very much so. Yes. And so uh, we talked about it in our uh, WonderCon recap episode, but for those that maybe haven't uh, checked that one out, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson was giving, uh, you know, Whenever he's at a con, he usually has a limited number of commission sketches that he does. But whenever you go to a con, you're never going to be there early enough to get one of those uh, tickets. But weirdly, thankfully, WonderCon is the con that provides. And you, uh, myself and Jeremy all got to Daniel Warren Johnson's table early on Saturday morning, or maybe it was Friday morning. And we all scored tickets for a daniel warren johnson commission and they were not expensive i can't even remember what they were it's like 150 dollars. yeah it was 150 and i didn't have the cash on me at the time but lance did Ooh, lance was rolling that uh, jeremy didn't have the cash and uh, you know felix comic art was only accepting cash they weren't doing credit cards and lance had a giant wad with him and was willing enough to split that up momentarily and pay for my commission and pay for Jeremy's commission. You're going to get Lance rolled at his next con. <laughs> he doesn't usually carry that much cash. <laughs> no, I do not. The only reason I brought that much was because I didn't want to pay the fees of those. Ooh, and yeah. I and I didn't know how much the sketch was going to cost if I was going to get one from Daniel. So I had 
the extra. And that was my that was my con budget flat out. As soon yeah. as I got to zero dollars, I didn't spend another dime. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So uh with with Lance's money, I called Lisa on the phone. And I said, Lisa, we can get a Daniel Warren Johnson commission. What can we get? And you know, we're both huge fans and we went back and forth on characters, you know, you know, Murph uh, for Murder Falcon. Um, you know, we had just finished obsessing over do a power bomb like part of me was like oh i want god from do a power bomb yeah uh but lisa was like no it's it really has to be beta ray bill because that was our first conversation with daniel warren johnson right uh and lisa was smart enough to say that she wanted beta ray bill but in the depowered form Mm -hmm. and so uh i uh gave dan lance's money and I said that I would like a depowered uh, Beta Ray Bill. And he thought about it for like two seconds, it seemed like. Yeah. And he had quick. just gotten done doing your sketch. And your sketch, uh, no, maybe it was just done Jeremy's sketch. And yeah, Jeremy had done Mega Man X. It was, it was, it was zero. Zero. Okay. I don't yep. know, Mega mm-hmm. Man. Don't tell Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> and, Dan had been like jazz, jazzed doing that. And he was like rip roaring and ready to go when I gave him Beta Ray Bill. And he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. He, he basically gave us two Beta Ray Bills for the price of one. Because in the foreground, you have Beta Ray Bill walking toward you, toward the perspective. And he's depowered and he's dragging Stormbreaker. And then hovering above him is the shadow of the superpowered Beta Ray Bill. And it's just such an amazing to me, sketch. I mean, I don't want to get spoilery, but to me it speaks to the end of Argent Star, where like you can never really shake any version of yourself. Like it, you know, if you go like, oh, if I could just be this way again, or if I could only be seen in this way, then I will feel fulfilled. I will feel happy. Even no matter how he looks, Beta Ray Bill will never be free of that horse face form. That will always be part of who he is. And he needs to learn that that like the way you look isn't the totality of who you are, but it is also part of who you are. You know, it's it's you yeah. know, it's I, I like I, I kind of wondered after I asked for the Corbinite form, like, is that going to hurt Daniel's feelings? Because that really wasn't the point. You know, that oh, really no. wasn't the point. Is oh, you know, it's kind of like it's a it's about how you can never really actually go home again. You know. Yeah, it. I just it, love that book. It came out so good. The it's art awesome. is beautiful on it, and it was adorable seeing Brad get on the phone to call you and be like, "What do what do we get?" it's a big responsibility because you're not going to get that chance again at new york comic-con or san diego comic-con or you know c2e2 yeah yeah i i went in having like three different ideas of what i wanted and then i landed on what i got which was the optimus prime yeah that's pretty rad it's a rad optimus prime yeah it's it's almost like he likes drawing robots yeah he's really good at it yeah I, I now have it framed in my Calyx shelf and my nerd wall. Yeah, the official the official IKEA shelf of nerds. We also have many Calyx shelves. Yes, we say please Calyx. sponsor us, IKEA. <laughs> I started looking through my collection to see like what Grail 
I wanted to. And I realized I think I have more grails for Beta Ray Bill than possibly any other character mm. in my entire collection. When my buddy gave me Old Man Logan, I started going to this comic shop in Utah called Dragon's Keep. And their back issues, like there was a lot, but they were a lot more focused on cards and and like games and things. And so their comics were kind of a secondary thing. They didn't ever price them out. It was just you they would you would take them to the front and they would usually look up the, on a price guide and then sell it to you for that much. And one day as I was starting to go through it, I looked through the Thor section and I was like flipping through and I saw issue 337. Mm. And I was like, that's beta, but that seems like a really crazy cover for it just to be a random issue. And I looked it up and I was like, yeah, for sure was the first appearance of Beta Ray Bill. That's awesome. And I go up to the front and that day apparently they were busy with the card release day and they literally just said three bucks. Wow. And so I literally, one of the first grails I have in my entire collection was the first appearance of Beta Ray Bill. That will get you hooked to collecting. It will. Very yeah. much so. That is the line and the sinker, my friend. Yep. <laughs> the the exact same shop. I actually took the that stack of Spider-Man issues my parents gave me that one Christmas because mm. I went back home, came back, came went back home for the holidays, came back to school and traded out the Spider-Man issues I didn't want. And I traded it out for just like a, a run of X Factor. So again, mm-hmm. Walter Simonson brought into yeah. the story. Uh, and it included the first cameo and first full appearance of Apocalypse. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they they traded one for one. Uh-huh. Amazing. Which co- shops do not do. Right. Uh, but kind of bringing it back to uh, Beta Ray Bill, years later, like lit- this last year, there was Rocket Con. And I went there and there was a section of graded books. I was flipping through and a 337 was, I pulled it out and I think it's a 9-4. But it was signed by Simonson as well as having a little Beta Ray Bill sketch in it. And I couldn't not go home with it. So I paid more than I would like to say. But (laughs) I, I now have a sketch by Walter Simonson in my collection. That's so special. Very cool. I, I love that you have us on for such a dear character for you. I it really, I hope that we're, I don't know. I hope that we're living up to it. Oh, very much so. This oh, is, I'm, I'm loving every minute of this. It's great. All right. Now that we've talked about our grails, let's go into a quick rapid fire random facts. Yay. Having talked about the appearance of Beta Ray Bill, uh, clearly deliberate by Simonson, right? Yeah. He actually designed Bill to be a monster. He wanted readers to think this character was going to be evil from the get-go. I love that. That just makes a lot of sense. And I like, because I do think that Beta Ray Bill is designed to challenge our biases. Because when you see him, his first kind of outfit is very military and it, it, yeah. it's like very red all over too, which red is always that cover that shows like it's that color that's about danger. Like you should mm. be afraid of this being. So not only did he look horrific, but he also gave off that like natural environment thing of, oh, you should not mess with this character. Beta Ray Bill's original name was Beta Ray Jones, but <laughs> Simonson decided that there were too many Joneses in, in Marvel Comics. I love that name though, Beta Ray Jones. I, yeah. I would read Beta Ray Jones. <laughs> uh, and, and he chose na- like a basic name. So like Jones or Bill, because yeah. he wanted the character to be an everyman. Mm. 
bill is noble and is designed to kill, which is why Simonson said he is worthy of picking up Mjolnir. When designing Beta's look, Simonson started off with a skull, then elongated it to make it look like a horse, because horses are beautiful creatures. He stated, I was aiming for a sense of death, a sense of monster, underlined by beauty. And I think that DWJ definitely capitalizes on that in his run in particular, that underlying beauty of the character. Yeah, but also he 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 accentuates the monstrosity yeah. of Beta Ray Bill. It, the hollowness of the face. Yeah. So that like again, when you go back to that Sif sequence. Yeah, though when he takes his shirt off, he's ripped. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, well, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty godly right there. <laughs> Just put a bag over that horse. <laughs> oh, that would have been, that would have been even rougher than what Sif does to him <laughs> in that story. She, she, she's like, okay, well, just turn the lights out. <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you, aside from Argent Star, which is more of a recent printing, if you come across a collected version of any uh, Beta Ray Bill series, buy it because more than likely it's out of print and worth more money. Yeah. Saga Beta Ray Bill, hard to find. And then there's also uh, God Hunter, which is a follow up to that series, which is also out of print. So now let's dive just very briefly into adaptations because we don't really have much for Beta Ray Bill. Not yet. Fingers crossed, very soon. So he has shown up in various animated shows like Silver Surfer, Superhero Squad Show, and The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's in a bunch of different video games. And of course, we have to mention Marvel Lego games because every single character shows up in those. As well as him showing up in uh, the Planet Hulk adaptation because he takes the place of Silver Surfer in that storyline. I remember that. Yeah, that's and when you look up like uh, Beta Ray Bill GIFs on Twitter, that's the image that you see that is it. the most. Yep. And then we already talked about him showing up as a head on the building in Thor Ragnarok, as well as we almost we almost got him in that little cameo. But I'm glad they're holding off until we can actually get a true adaptation of his story. Now, from what we've had in the MCU so far, I'm curious with both of you, if you had to introduce Beta, how would you have want him to be introduced or how would you like him to be introduced? You know, we've we've met Surtur now through Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of still incorporating Surtur into the apocalypse story mm. of Beta Ray Bill. And because we have some idea of who Surtur is, it, it's, I think, an easy one to establish. But I also think that the Surtur that we got in Thor Ragnarok, as cool as he looked, you know, tonally, it's he's not that threatening, even though he destroyed all of Asgard, like stakes wise, like he destroyed Asgard. But I think we could really accentuate the horror of Surtur and the devastation of Surtur by bringing him in in the Corbinite narrative we also have the world of the guardians opening up i think that he could easily be folded into a future guardians yeah, film it's just what i don't want is that suddenly beta ray bill is just there and, yeah. and walking around and doing his thing like uh you know i loved guardians of the galaxy volume three but adam warlock is just kind of there there yeah and he just 
then gets folded into the group. And I actually think they handle Adam Warlock pretty well, but I wouldn't want that for Beta Ray Bill. Like to me, Beta Ray Bill is a major character because I love him so much. So I want him to be treated like a major character. Right, but I just feel like right now, aside from Guardians, we're such an Earth-centric, it's such an Earth-centric universe. And I really feel like I don't want to meet, I don't want to meet Beta Ray Bill on Earth. No, no, no. But, and you know, like, are we going to get another Thor movie with everything going on with Chris Hemsworth? It would be oh, a I while. Know. I don't know. But, I mean, we have Valkyrie. She's still kicking ass. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. And, and obviously, you have to change his origin up a little bit because of Stormbreaker being around. And so maybe... Right. Maybe rather than wielding the Mjolnir. Well, yeah, we get to the, that. I want, well, what I want is I want to adapt Argent Star somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how right. do you adapt Argent Star into the current landscape of the MCU? Mm. And I feel like you need to do it through a Guardian story, but not as just like now he's part of the group. Like now right. suddenly it's Donnie Cates' Guardian of the Galaxy. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I, I want there to be, I want the crux of the story to be around Bill. Right. I really was hoping that in Thor Love and Thunder that Gore would just chuck Stormbreaker into space yeah. and to the point where Thor could not call it back. And like just a like a teaser at the end of it would just be it's floating in space. And then you just see a hand go up and grab it. And you don't even see Beta, but it's going to be Beta. And then that's how he gets stormbreaker and that's how he's able to get out of floating in space after his planet has been blown apart there you I go like that. yeah that done. you the did hair it on the you back did of it. my next stand up i'm into that yeah i i was really hoping that would happen but no it didn't but uh again we hope we see beta ray bill in the marvel cinematic universe soon and talking about that about that leads us straight into our weirdest segment of the episode what, what? Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this issue, we decided, what if Beta Ray Bill found his perfect match? He has a rough time with love, which we have talked about quite extensively in this episode. So I am interested to hear from the actual couple that counsels comic book characters. What character do you think would be a perfect match for Beta? I want you to go first, Brad, because I have my idea, but you think that your idea is the same as my idea. Maybe not, because if you have an idea, I don't think I have that idea. I mean, mine's basic. Like, I I think Sif and Bill are good together, and I want Sif to get over herself. <laughs> and, and the reason I feel that way is because I really loved the Journey into Mystery series with Sif that Beta Ray Bill would play into every now and again and i loved their dynamic in that series and the pain that she commits upon bill the wrong that she commits upon bill i want to her to atone for yeah yeah and, and so i would like to see them address everything that went wrong in that bedroom in argent star and move beyond it Okay. And, and find a way to be a couple together. I don't know if they're like a, a forever couple, but I definitely want healing to happen. Healing to happen after that scene. Oh, that's interesting. So my idea would be that he would be with Scuttlebutt. That's sexy. Because mm, yep. like the like part of Argent Star, Scuttlebutt reveal well in Muspelheim, 
she becomes like for some reason she manifests this separate form um, and starts walking around like a person. And it's not actually that different from what Beta Ray Bill is. That's what I'm saying. Right. And then she reveals that she has this part of herself, which is the ship, where she's been collecting all of these precious memories that she's had with Bill. Your idea is way so, better. So, like, to me, I think that that was her saying, like, and she's she said, like, as we were entering Muspelheim, I just had this revelation, this kind of revelation where it's like, it's generally the kind of revelation that you have it and then it goes away Mm. but like she has this revelation and that revelation doesn't go away and i think that her revelation is that she is in love with bill yeah 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 you're right and and so i think his worthiness has been so connected to objects like his first object was to be given scuttlebutt and scuttlebutt has been this object to him but all of a sudden this object is a person who can perhaps complete him. Yeah. Edit out what I said earlier. <laughs> uh, what I, I agree with you 100%, Lisa. I yeah. feel like the ultimate uh, end goal couple is Beta Ray Bill and Scuttlebutt. And I think, you know, so much about Beta Ray Bill is about recognizing personhood. Like, even though he is this horse-faced cyborg from this far-off planet, like, he is a person he wants to be seen as a man. And I think that scuttlebutt she's this hyper intelligent intuitive technology she deserves to have her her personness recognized oh yeah and what is hotter by the way than scuttlebutt turning into a gun you know what i mean that that was the sexiest thing and the fact that that scourge was the one to pull her trigger just felt so wrong to me you know so like to me i i i do love this idea that that their relationship can be deeper. And the erotic pleasure that Scourge got out of that. Yeah. Pulled that trigger. Oh, man. <laughs> so hot. Him and Beta are going to have a, have a conversation after yeah. that. Yeah. But, I mean, she's a person. And a I plus. think that And I think that it is up on, on Bill to realize that. Agreed. If Vision can have full-on relationship and have kids, I think that we should have the offspring of two cyber cybernetic beings come together and and absolutely that relationship of scuttlebutt always really being a protector of beta is is a beautiful story that could come full circle and you definitely see that in beta's face when she walks into the room in that in that panel because it's beautiful he's taken back but you can tell there's more than just surprise yeah well there there has been this level of intimacy there that he had always taken for granted Mm -hmm. because she was created with him as the center yeah, of the universe. And he's just been walking around her this whole time inside yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta show some respect. That, like, that's what I think is so cool. Like, you know, one of the things that first got me really excited about Star Trek was this idea of the itic, like infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And I find that really being satisfied, that desire for like recognizing all personhood. I really find that being fulfilled in the Marvel universe. Scuttlebutt is a beautiful extension of that. That's brilliant. I was hoping that both of you would say both of those things. I figured someone was going to say Sif and I was hoping one of you would say Scuttlebutt. Oh, yay! Because I think those are the two that are most likely to happen for Beta. But I'm going to choose something that, again, I like the weird stuff. And uh, (laughs) there is a crossover that occurred between Marvel Universe and this other particular universe. 
that <laughs> might lead to another crossover. Oh, so I have decided to choose uh, an adult version of Tara Grayson, the new Invincible from Image Comics Invincible, because Tara grew up around a bunch of aliens, has this understanding that appearances do not represent the individual underneath. And she's a wild card. And I think she would be balanced out by the calming nature of Beta. I think they would have a very interesting dynamic together. And the fact that Tara can essentially live for a ridiculous amount of time. And then Beta is also potentially immortal as well. That we could be getting like a prolonged relationship between them, the two of them. Yeah. I like it. I like that idea. I do think he needs to seek beyond Asgard. I like, I think that he's gotten everything like his Asgard has been his bad girlfriend Yes, where he keeps going like, am I pretty enough? And they're like, almost, you know what I mean? And I, I do think that if he wants to be fulfilled, he has to look outside of Asgard. Agreed. Absolutely. So talking about Tara, both of you are finishing up your invincible coverage on your show so everyone go listen to combat couples canceling where can everyone find you on social media uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CBCC Podcast. Look up Comic Book Couples Counseling on Facebook. Head on over to the website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com. Again, thank you both so much for coming on. This was a blast. Thank you for talking with me about one of my favorite characters. And yeah. uh, it's, it's just always so much fun when we can all talk together. So I'm glad we were able, finally able to make this work. Yay. Agreed. West Coast, East Coast. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. It's time to close the book on Beta Ray Bill. So until next time, this is Lance. And Brad. And Lisa. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books. Closer. Closer.